I'm John Ryan and this is Pod Roast. This week, a couple of lines crossed. A stupid ing podcast about swearing and podcasts meet porn. What could possibly go right? Imagine a podcast that talks about swearing for 12 minutes, totally without entertainment or even much insight. Well, that's where we start today. The Guardian in print is usually the least circumspect when it comes to cursing, but that's where this polite lesson in the bleeding obvious is coming from. Science Weekly is spelt with two E's, but from the evidence of this edition, I think an EA would be more appropriate. You might think a weekly podcast about science might bring together news and comment about mankind striding into an uncertain future, packed with boffins and adding to the sum of human understanding. Nope, here it's a one-byte podcast spun out of the clickbaitiest story of the week from Aston University, the 30th finest such institution according to the Guardian's league table of these things. The good Dr Robbie Love, I'm not making that name up, researched how swearing has changed since 1994 and now. Hilariously, even the Aston press release uses asterisks rather than the actual words. Obviously, podcast radio's standards department are hanging on my every word, as they know I'm a bit of a when it comes to swearing. So I'll replace the words in Aston's report with prurient alternatives. The use of bloody has declined, while the use of funk remains much the same, followed by shut, pass, butter, and crop. Apparently, we're now much less likely to call someone a Bernard, but much more likely to call them a dick. That one's not been censored. Twit also rose from 16th most common to 13th by the 2010s. Other totally predictable findings from Dr. Love, men swear more than women, and we're all swearing more into older age than our grandparents used to. So what does our podcast do with this? Do we hear from the author of the report? Do we get a load of builders and nuns around a table to discuss the findings? Maybe Roy Chubby Brown could be pressed into host something. Nope, they wheel in Timothy Jay. He's an emeritus professor of psychology at Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts. He also sounds a bit like Mr Magoo. Before Tim, it's presenter Shivani Dave, who says, Hey there, followed by a language warning given the subject. So it's probably not the best time to have the kids in the room, which feels jointly redundant and slightly exclusive. An arch synthesizer pad begins and Shivani brings her best NPR game. We've been told that swearing is bad, yet some of us do it anyway, she says. She promises to explore why people swear and what it means to our social relationships. The synth stops, thankfully, it adds nothing, and Shivani introduces her guest before cutting straight to her first question. Now, this always sounds weird, as matching the level and tone of both recording sessions can be difficult. She's louder and faster in the second, so the cut jars. It's always much better to cut straight to an answer from the guest. It just helps mask the join. Especially if your first question rambles for 26 seconds like this one does. Tim tells us most of our swears go back a very very long way. As a couple of choppy edits before the one nice moment, Tim says the lexicon of swear words in English he thinks of as a garden, and the plants in the garden are centuries old. For a new word to take place in that garden, it has to displace something. That's why most of our four letter bombs don't change very much. Is there a reason why we swear our Shivani? Well, yeah, of course, it's big and it's clever. Uh, the real reason is that it vents and communicates swiftly. Children and animals will bite you and scratch you, but as grown-ups we need the aural equivalent. 
Social media and American hip-hop are blamed for spreading curse words around the world, predictably. The rest is all very obvious. That wretched synthesizer returns at about seven minutes in, in lieu of any actual production flair. It fades up and plinks about a bit, as Shivani confesses that she swears when her laptop freezes. She asks how working from home has changed our swearing. Well, we'll swear less back at work, apparently. Things will come back to normal again, says Tim, a man who's watched 10,000 guinea pigs swearing in public. That's people guinea pigs, sadly, not actual guinea pigs. I'd pay to see that. He says swearing allows us to be human and it's part of belonging to a peer group. Also from the Department of the Obvious. Shivani asks and Tim answers that all swearing is culturally and contextually driven. Your use of the word fudge, say, and its derivatives is totally different when you say it to your boss at work than to your friend with benefits in bed. Like, duh. I have a rule. When a presenter tells me something is really interesting, it's usually code that it wasn't. Shivani does this and then doesn't even recap or come back with a funny or a final thought. The synth is back, though, for a few seconds of fannying about. Next. It starts with two such humongous clichés, I couldn't work out if it was a spoof. A kind of R&B Rihanna-like theme tune, with a couple of singers clearly enjoying themselves, making suggestive noises. Then a male narrator promising snack-sized sexy stories, and suggesting we follow an Instagram link to see the inspiration of the story herself. That's followed by a slightly harassed-sounding woman telling me that this story was posted to Reddit by user 31stRock. It's called Roommate Cheating. Sit back and enjoy the story, she orders, although it's with all the warmth of a drive through attendant. Then it gets really surreal. The protagonist in this story is a male college student, and for all his delivery, do you know what? I'm convinced it's automated. Some of the inflection is just so weird... That's the only explanation. He reads such a cliched teenage fantasy trip about his girlfriend's roommate over the kind of Muzak soundtrack I last heard in a lift in Vegas in 1977. I can't even bring myself to summarise the details for you, but put simply, it's regressive, sexist, poorly executed BS. But hey, what do I know? The weirdest thing, it's made it to 477 episodes, this podcast. That's the longest running of any we've reviewed on Podroast. If you wanted to check it out, like the kind of person who drives slowly past a motorway accident, it's on a lot of your podcast places too. I found it sat there bold as brass on Spotify's Games Podcast Carousel between Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, and something called Carl Karaoke Songs. That's the shocker about it. I love the podcast sphere, the deep dives, the new talent, the energy and the audio ideas, but as more creatives discover our world, dangerous players are amongst us. I'm also no fan of censorship, but you'd think that some of the big players might be more mindful of some of the content that appears under their corporate brand. I'm John Ryan, weary-eared and disappointed this week with Science Weekly from The Guardian and Short Sex Stories. I listen to these, so you don't have to. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. 
So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.